Equinox, and welcome to episode number 154 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast. We're recording on March the 20th, 2022. My name is Eric, host of the show, based in southern Ontario. I'm a hunter, target shooter, ham radio operator, and computer geek. I started a small preparedness company and uh, helped people get better prepared for at least 72 hours, if not longer. You almost got me, Ian. Almost. Almost. <laughs> My name is Ian, and I'm a student of preparedness and a hobby farmer on Vancouver Island. And I'm Jeff. I'm based in Central Ontario. I'm a target shooter, ham radio operator, and general overall handyman. All right. Want to help support the show and keep the Canadian Prepper Podcast on the air? You can buy some swag. We have both the Canadian Prepper Podcast t-shirt and the Tactical Velcro patch at www.prepperpodcast.ca. All proceeds help keep the lights on and the backup generator fueled. And if you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes and like us on Facebook and submit a review on iTunes. Also, we want your feedback, good or bad, or any topic you want us to cover, you can email us at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. Okay, so we've got some intrinsically valuable content for you in this episode. We're going to start out with some recent news articles, then we're going to update you on our personal preparedness, uh, then we'll get into the main topic, introduction to precious metals. So let's move into the news. All right, something that did not get any coverage by the mainstream media, media and no surprise there, but is like kind of a seismic shift in world economics is uh, Russia is switching from uh, US dollars to rupees for oil uh, as far as deal with India's goes anyways. Uh, CNN.com is the article um, this whole time since Bretton Woods disappeared when Nixon, we'll talk about this later on, but Nixon took us off the gold standard in 71 and uh, it switched from basically a gold-backed currency to an oil-backed currency. Um, so the petrodollar has kind of been an ongoing thing since before I was born. I'm that old, yes. Say, that's, that's a long time ago. <laughs> that's a it? long time. And uh, yeah, before so, Scott was born, though. No, well, this is true. Nobody's that old. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so yeah, like this whole time, you know, in, in recent history, I mean, people have been trading worldwide oil for U.S. dollars. That was kind of a shady deal between the Saudis and the U.S. and they kind of spread worldwide. And basically, you could not make a deal for oil anywhere without doing it in U.S. dollars. That's why Iran had sanctions and everything else. But now all of a sudden, we put sanctions on Russia and uh, they offered India oil discount. And now they're just bypassing the U.S. petrodollar system completely, which is going to devalue their currency, lead to inflation, repatriation of U.S. dollars. It's going to be a, a huge shift now. And if, especially if other countries start to do it, which there was actually... Um, I guess it's, it's kind of a hard to find story now, but it was called Operation Sandstorm. There was actually a bunch of countries that were planning to simultaneously switch from the US dollar to either the yuan or something uh, something other as a reserve currency, which would have just destroyed the US economy, but I guess they put a kibosh on that in the short term. But yeah, so this is huge anyways. Uh, this is the first country really to, on a large scale, switch from US dollars to another currency. So, Interesting. Yeah. Uh, other one I had was... Uh, yeah, no surprise to anybody again. Poor Japan. Another 7.3 earthquake off Fukushima again. Ooh. <laughs> so they, oh boy. yeah, they had a, a uh, tsunami advisory issued, and surprisingly, I didn't hear anything about like further damage to the reactor there or any sort of leakage of the, the radioactive water they had. And I haven't heard anything that's... bad from it, but maybe that's a, a bad thing too if they haven't been advertising it. But it's uh, another major earthquake right off the uh, the power plant. So. Yeah, I haven't heard anything either. They said they had a small, um, like a small, like three meter tsunami, if you even want to call that a tsunami, and but nothing else after that. So, 
Yeah, I think they locked out this time comparatively because I'm sure if it was bad, it's been, what, five days now? We probably would have heard something. You'd hope anyways. Yeah. All right, so that's pretty much all I had. But, uh, interesting. Uh, so I've got a news article a little bit closer to the home uh, in regards to uh, Blind River, Ontario. So uh, the fire chief there hosted an emergency preparedness info session. Uh, it was a virtual info session, but uh, it's kind of neat to see that uh, little small town Ontario is getting some... Uh, some preparedness uh, information shared out to them. So uh, a couple of good points in the article that they touched on. Uh, basically, everybody needs to have a plan and, and have a 72-hour kit. And it's uh, some very pretty basic stuff, but uh, you got to start somewhere, right? So it's just kind of neat to see a little community getting involved and, and spreading some information out there. So Cool. Yeah, I think, uh, like you say, even small-town communities are starting to wake up to uh, to the, the, the real realities that, you know, stuff's, starting to happen and you know being up north there i mean they they elliot lake and that that general area i don't think they get them as much but they they're sort of up towards the forest fire sort of area in the summer and you know tomogamy in that area can get them so yeah. yeah absolutely and there's rail lines that run through that you know if a bad derailment or something happens and you never know what you're going to get so it's good to see some info getting passed around there's yeah. a little bit of smoking fire train go through town like they did in Lytton last year mm. Yep. Well, one of my news articles, they don't have to worry about that right now because uh, CP's gone on strike. So there won't be any trains moving. Um, as if our supply chain issue isn't bad enough already. Now they're going, now the, uh, you know, CP's gone on strike. I don't think it's going to last very long. I think the federal government will step in fairly quickly and not let it uh, drag on very long. But uh, I've been wrong before. I mean, who knows what Trudeau will do? Maybe he'll start freezing their bank accounts. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Actually, a quick question on that. So wasn't it the rail lines last time that would cause the propane shortage out east as well? Well, well, yeah, it was, but it wasn't their fault. They they didn't go on strike. Their, their lines got blockaded. Yeah. And the government just wouldn't move on it and wouldn't. Um, they just let it go on and on and on until it literally got Quebec literally got to like absolute crisis stage, like elderly people that were living out in the country and relying on propane for, for their heat. were being told you've got, here's your six days of propane and good luck because after six days, we're not going to have any left. And so, yeah, it, it, it dragged on for, I'm going to say two and a half months. Yeah, so I mean, like same same net result. I mean, the the rail lines aren't running, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see how long they let this one go. Yeah, and funny uh, that Ian talked about um, what Russia's doing with their oil. Um, they had a debt payment coming up uh, the last couple of days ago, and even though everybody talks tough about all the sanctions that they put on them and how it's going to economically devastate them, they made their debt payment. So. Um, hmm be interesting to see where it continues to go from there and what they uh what their their long-term plan is but i mean if they can sell their wheat to china and i believe it was india was looking at buying a bunch of their oil so uh who knows where it's going to go well i think uh you know first of all i guess the the countries that impose sanctions on russia i think total about a billion people right but anything in north north america and europe and australia and maybe japan or something Maybe about a billion people. So seven of the eight billion people in the world are not putting sanctions on Russia. So, I mean, that that's one way to look at it. But also, the, 
if they're doing the oil sale to India, even at a discount, they're still going to have enough money to make these payments and stuff. So I don't think it's going to work out as well as they planned. Yeah, it's yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting. I mean, and not not just the sanctions, but you know, like I say, with with China buying their wheat now, they're talking about a whole big um, possible wheat shortage all around the world. If the growing season, if they have issues with the growing season or supply chain issues or whatever, that it it could be uh, it could be quite a bad season for uh, wheat related products. Well, shall we move into what we've done lately for preps since we're talking about shortages of wheat related products? Yeah. Um, I, uh, I bought an arrow garden, uh, one of those small, um, indoor, um, I guess hydroponic type, uh, growing things, nothing big it was on sale at uh, Cambodian tire for, uh, 40% off, uh, 149 regular 249. It's not, not so necessarily needed now that we're coming into spring, but I figured I might as well get it now while the price is down and um, be able to use it for next winter. So it'll never get any cheaper, I don't think so. And uh, I've purchased some wood and I've got to get some more and I'm going to start building a few, a uh, couple of raised garden beds for out the back for uh, this summer, get my own little garden going. Yeah, so those arrow gardens, you can run over the winter time too, right, Jeff? You can run them anytime. Yep. They're indoors. You can run them winter, summer. Yep. Nice. And they don't, don't require power either, do they? Yeah, they do actually. Just, oh, okay. just, to, just, to, just to circulate a pump and, and the grow lights. So they do require power, but not, not very much. I must think, oh, think cool. something else. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, for myself, uh, started to get, uh, went out and actually got the seeds. So, uh, for our garden. So we're going to get that started here in the next week or so. So, uh, to get the seeds settled in and get our system all set up so that we've got something to plant in the, a couple of months here outside. Uh, the new ham antenna showed up. I know, weird for me doing ham related projects, but uh, it's 270 feet long, so <laughs> it's going to be a fun one to set up. But uh, finally decided to go with something nice versus uh, a couple little things here and there I had. So could take some time and get that deployed out, and then I can cover all the bands. So. And up to three kilowatts. So, so it sounds like you win the antenna measuring contest then. Oh, uh, I don't know. That's that's quite the contest to enter into on the internet. Yeah, mm. yeah. We'll we'll see. <laughs> All right. As for myself, so I had uh, some professionals come in, help me with some tree felling. So I took some pretty cool videos there. I uh, had a couple of trees overhanging some power lines and way too close to the house for my liking. Uh, they took care of, which also helped me finish off my fire break. So as of today, yay! I'm done my fire break around the house because uh, nice. I spent a lot of time chainsawing today. Oh, my goodness. Um, but, yeah. It sounds so, like it's a bad thing. Well, it is fun, you know, <laughs> but then, yeah, it's, it's yeah. It's but, work, too, though. It's on a 45-degree incline, too, around the house, so it's kind of a pain in the behind. But anyway. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so, yeah, that's good. So, for a fire season this year, I'm, I'm feeling a little more comfortable with things. I uh, did a little bit of food rotation. Um, actually, I don't know if the camera can see it behind me, but I got a new reloading press, which is pretty Ooh. good. Yeah, new, new, not even off you know where. And uh, <laughs> are, you, are you feeling all right? Yeah, I know. That's kind are, of you, are you sure it's not off of you know where? <laughs> it's, I actually had to buy it new because they're so hard to find for the brand new ones of this newest version. Anyway, uh, nice. took delivery of, I don't know if I told you about, talked about this last week or not, but I took some delivery of like some, uh, some rocks and dirt for the greenhouse. Did I mention nope. that last week? I think that so, was mentioned last week. No. 
So I took what six six cubic yards of uh, basically half inch crush in, or three quarter inch crush because I need to like build up a foundation on the uneven ground around here, and I'm gonna put up a greenhouse hopefully the next couple weeks and get it in place for spring planting here because you know obviously food security is an issue. Um, so yeah, and I'm gonna have to hand bomb about six cubic yards about thirty yards into the sticks to uh, to get that done properly. Um, did a feed top up and wait for it. I did a CGN deal. Oh, there it is. I knew yeah. it was there somewhere. Yeah, had to come. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm waiting on delivery of uh, hopefully uh, a scope that I got on the, on the cheap, which is good. But that's pretty much it for me. Nice. Another scope, huh? Yeah. <laughs> got to awesome. keep an eye on things. Uh, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Terrible. Touche. All right. Well, with that, shall we move into the main topic here? Maybe talk about some... Uh, some things that you might be able to use to purchase more scopes. Yeah. So why are we talking about this? Well, financial upheaval. Uh, we've yeah. uh, been noticing lately that things are not, you know, stable <laughs> around the world. Is, a, is that a funny good way, way of putting it? Good yeah. way of putting it. Yeah. I mean, between the excessive spending over the course of the uh, the virus of unknown origin that we keep talking about on the internet, um, excessive spending there, sanctions here, there, and everywhere. You know. Uh, Obviously, commodities are going crazy in prices and everything else. Obviously, when you have a fiat currency, which has like no intrinsic value to it per se, um, and you print a whole lot of it to pay off debts or spend on programs, sooner or later you're going to have inflation or you know economic crises. So, yeah, probably a good time to to mention stuff that's been used throughout history, right? Absolutely. Um, so a reserve currency like the U.S. dollar has uh, an average lifespan of about 80 years. And if you do some quick math from the end of World War II when the U.S. was king uh, to about now, well, yeah, you're pushing 80 years. <laughs> so, <laughs> yep. uh, obviously, it's time for a change. We talked about that article before about how the Russians are moving away from making deals in U.S. dollars. The Chinese are trying to push for that uh, SIP system where they would they replace the SWIFT financial system. So they're trying to get everybody to start doing transactions in yuan versus U.S. dollars. So you can see there's obviously a move away from the U.S. dollar. So, you know, instead of being like the, the I guess, the standard bearer worldwide of, of transactions, um, there's going to be some people in the short term. And uh, because fiat is only worth something because people believe it is, like yep. the U.S. dollar, uh, if people lose confidence in the U.S. dollar, that could cause some problems. And as you know, we're tied at the hip economically uh, as Canadians to the U.S. economy. So, yeah, it's time to start looking at alternatives, right? This you, is where we go off on tangent about Bitcoin, or uh, no? Actually, although we, <laughs> if we had somebody who was actually knew what they were talking about, which I do not, uh, I'd love to get somebody to talk more about uh, you know cryptos and everything else. But I'm, I'm basically at like grade school level on that stuff. Um, but as a previous example, you know, when people were trying to look at alternatives uh, back in the 1700s, they, they had tulip mania. Did you guys ever, ever read about that? It says I did. Okay, so back in the 1700s, the Dutch, of all people, so it's Dutch, they, uh, they decided <laughs> that tulips were the up-and-coming thing, and they were going to start spending money on tulip bulbs, and they actually got to the point where there were auctions for certain tulip bulbs, and they had like family fortunes tied up in tulip bulbs, and uh, because people believed that they were going to be worth something, um, it went kind of like off the deep end for about a year and a half, and all of a sudden people realized that they're just tulip bulbs. And then also they went from being family fortunes tied up in a tulip bulb to, well, they might as well eat them at this point because they were worth nothing. So hmm. that's a prime example of what like a fiat currency would be, like uh, and or your know, your average modern day currency backed by a central bank. Um, 
it's only good as long as the public has faith in it, right? Yep. Um, so, you know, government reserve banks, like now, like, you know, we have the Bank of Canada, the U.S. has the Federal Reserve, everything else, they all produce what's called fiat currencies because they're not asset-backed, um, meaning, like, you can't just trade it in straight across for something that's actually worth something like gold. Um, so that's a problem. You know, back in the Roman Empire days, they had the Daenerys, not to be confused with the Game of Thrones character. <laughs> Daenerys? Daenerys? I think it's close enough. Sure. Um, yep. <laughs> but yeah, the Roman denarius was actually sold in silver piece and it was like a set weight and they actually invented the ridged edge on the coin because people were shaving the silver off and trying to pass off like partial coins because they were like, if they shave off enough coins, mm -hmm. I guess enough times they can get their extra silver on the side. So they came up with a way to prevent shaving. But then the, what they ended up doing is they ended up uh, decreasing the silver content in their coins over the course of a couple hundred years, which created their own you know, inflation because the coins were worth less to the people. And they ended up having a currency collapse even with asset-backed stuff because they started playing around with it, right? So, let's see here. We should give you a bit of history on this. Uh, we got any questions so far? Not in the live chat, but um, my question would be, do we or do you see in something soon where the U.S. dollar is no longer going to be king? Yeah, I mean, like I said, there's been a steady transition over from countries talking about not making deals in U.S. dollars. And I think generally after an upheaval such as a war, a uh, you know, a, a pandemic or anything else, usually there is a, a shift afterwards, right? And um, so after World War II, uh, that was obviously a thing. Uh, the British were the, the reserve currency before that. They had the pound sterling. And that was like the standard around the world. And then... Obviously, they ran into a huge debt problem because they had to borrow a bunch of money for World War One and Two, and then after World War Two, they were just destitute. So that's why they gave up their empire and lost their reserve currency stats and everything else. So you can kind of see the similarities there. Uh, obviously, the U.S. has extended itself economically, militarily, and everything else. And maybe after the next upheaval, who knows, right? Do you see uh, inflation being, or do you see hyperinflation coming? That's inevitable. Uh, if you do some quick math on that, which we'll talk about it uh, in a second here down below. But if you look at the U.S. debt clock that we were talking about before, um, pre-show, yeah, like this amount of debt we're carrying is unsustainable. So whether it be like this week or 60 years from now or whatever, it's it's going to happen. Like, you know, you look at Venezuela, Greece, Argentina, about six times now, Mexico, they've all gone through their hyperinflation stages. So why should we be any different? I think the only reason that we've held off this long is because, again, we're, you know, we're the covered by the U.S. economy, but if the U.S. economy has problems, we're going to be going down the same path, right? Anyway, yep, um, so up until this point, we've had currency uh, was backed by gold in the U.S. until August of 1971. So Nixon did a couple silly things. He basically took uh, the U.S. off the gold standard where you could theoretically convert the cash from U.S. dollars into gold on a fairly straightforward deal. But in reality, I think it was 1933 they took it off the the straight across like gold notes they turned them into reserve notes but anyway uh, in 1971 they took the US off the gold standard they also opened relations with China and dumped Taiwan and you can see where they moved all their manufacturing afterwards and created their own uh, service economy versus a manufacturing economy which is going to create problems down the road for them um, Canada had their own gold backed currency until 1914 hmm. so before that if you're Scott's age, and you can remember when you were in your 30s back in 1914, <laughs> and you could actually take a Canadian dollar bill, go into the bank, and actually exchange it straight across for gold. That was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Not so much today, right? Nope. Because the bank actually had 
you know, assets to cover that. Like they had a pile of gold sitting there, like, you know, uh, Gringotts style that they could actually go in there and change it out. Yeah, you could try to do that today, but I'm pretty sure you would get some pretty funny looks. Well, especially since the Canadian government said to sell off all their gold when Trudeau took power. Not making fun of Trudeau, I'm just saying all politicians are bad people, but um, as soon as he took power, he took what little gold we had left, and Harper was just as bad. I mean, he sold off a bunch too. Um, but I think he sold the very last actual gold reserves that we had uh, just to, to cover some spending issues. And Bill Morneau at the time, who was the finance minister, said gold has no intrinsic value, so we don't need it anyway. And yeah, they got rid of it all. So the only thing, gold, only gold in the government's possession right now is stuff that's in the Canadian Mint for minting stuff that we'll talk about later here. Questions so far? So far, so good. Well, there's right. one in the live, the live chat there. I don't know if it's, it's too early to ask. Um, yeah, I was going to say it might be a touch early for that one, but okay. we can throw it up. Oh, okay, yeah, no, we'll, we'll get back to that. Uh, yeah. Con, we'll, we'll get back to you for sure. Anyway, Scott saying the good old days. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Can you remember back that far, Scott? Well, on the good days, right? When he has good days. Uh, definition of money versus currency. So we talk about usually money and currency being the same thing, but in reality, we should kind of specify uh, money in the modern sense is numerical, meaning like it's online and intangible. You know, so the bank can create money by just typing a few keys and boom, you have a loan. They didn't actually like go and print a bunch of bills to hand to you so you could hand to some other person to buy a house or anything else. Um, it's basically just exists in online or in ledgers. Um, whereas currency is something that can be like created or minted. Um, it's something like a, a promissory note or distilled labor or, you know, it's basically like something that, you know, can be used on a, on a daily basis. And it's, um, it's believed to be worth something. So, so it's like a physical a physical thing yeah. you can hold on to versus just numbers floating around in a ledger yeah. somewhere. And so fiat can be one of two things. It can either be backed by numbers in the bank or the government, uh, or it can be a real asset-backed currency. Like it could actually be a gold coin. Like, I mean, so you literally could walk into a bar, flip a, a silver coin on the bar and say, give me whiskey straight or whatever, you know. And, and obviously the guy's going to, you know, bite it or whatever they used to do in the Old West and then, you know, like move on, right? Um, so, yeah, there's, there's two types of, of currency out there. And... Uh, Obviously, we're going to be focusing on the asset-backed uh, currency today. So I mentioned, uh, again, Mr. Morneau there didn't think the gold had any worth. So uh, that's why they thought it was a good idea to sell all their stuff. Funny story. Uh, Russia and China have been hoarding gold for the last decade or so. So mm. uh, they've been on buying sprees. Uh, so you asked earlier, Jeff, about why I think there's going to be a shift. Well, all of a sudden, our currency it really has nothing to back it up. We have lost most of our manufacturing overseas. Uh, we're a service economy mostly, and we don't create a lot of wealth. And a lot of our mines that even would create wealth are foreign-owned now. So meanwhile, the, co the countries that are like expanding with their manufacturing and have lots of natural resources and everything else have been hoarding gold and buying gold like crazy to the point where they have tons and tons and tons of gold sitting in the, in the Gringotts-style vault. And so they, they have like strength behind their currency. So, and recently, uh, about a month before they invaded Ukraine, Russia started buying even more gold. <laughs> and I think they, they did that in anticipation of sanctions. So they'd have some physical assets that nobody could deny what they're worth. Because if they can't trade with rubles, they can still trade with gold. So. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So obviously they, they knew what they were doing ahead of time. Um, so precious metals, we should actually talk about what we're talking, what we mean when we say that. 
So precious metals are metals that are rare and have a high economic value. So due to various factors, including their scarcity, use in industrial processes and roll throughout history as a store of value. Um, the most popular precious metals with investors currently are gold, platinum, and silver. I'd like to think that lead, copper, and brass also have uses for reasons. <laughs> I but, would tend to agree with you. Yep. But mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean, they're a good way, good thing to stockpile as well. But I mean, yep. uh, gold and silver also have uses in electronics, uh, jewelry, uh, platinum, for example, in catalytic converters, I believe it's platinum. Um, and platinum also has a higher value than gold. So something to keep in mind there. So I guess if Eric, if you wouldn't mind throwing that debt clock uh, uh, link in the show or in the uh, YouTube chat on it right now. Yeah. So uh, I got the guys to look at before the show, the U S debt clock. So it is a stack of stats coming your way here. And uh, if listeners tend to to open this up, I guess after they've watched the podcast and listen to the podcast and watched online here or whatever, you go to the usdebtclock.org. And uh, before you know it, you see a screen full of rapidly scrolling numbers. Canada's got its own version. that's even more depressing. Um, but it shows a bunch of things like current U.S. national debt and a bunch of other stuff. And I use the U.S. because this page is way more descriptive than our, our own country's uh, page. But if you look on the bottom right of the page, uh, there's a uh, paper to silver ratio and paper to gold ratio. Um, something we'll talk about in a second there. But... Fun fact on the Canadian page is our debt is currently growing at $391 million per day. That's a bit. Is, is that it? That's, that's a pocket change, isn't it? That's kind of your monthly wage, I know, Eric, but it's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, obviously, you asked before, Jeff, is like, do I see it as sustainable? Well, if we're taking on $391 million of extra debt per day, like, how much can they possibly tax us to come up with this, right? How do you catch up from that? You can't. I mean, pretty yeah. soon we're going to be using all of our budget just to pay asset servicing. Or I was going to say, just to pay the interest, you're going to. That's all you're going to be doing. Yeah. So the U.S. obviously up their their base interest rate. We're going to be doing the same thing. So the higher the interest rate goes, the higher the, the interest payment goes on your debt. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, that's not exactly sustainable long term. Uh, worldwide debt right now, currently, if uh, U.S. on the U.S. national debt clock page, I think it's right in the middle. Uh, let's see here. I'm going to point it out to you guys. It's uh, so many things to look at here. But uh, currency and credit derivatives now, which is in the green section right near the bottom, $612 quadrillion worldwide debt. <laughs> that is a lot of debt. Yeah, so between currency, credit, and cra- cash, there's a lot of debt going on. So... Yeah, we've got uh, bank holidays, uh, obviously, like, unstable governments coming up here. Kind of a repeat of the Weimar Republic in Germany back in the 20s. Um, and on that note, I threw an article in the uh, the show notes here. Uh, Coast Capital Savings decided to announce that next week they're closing for five days to do a software upgrade. I'm like, huh, five days to do a software Uh-oh. upgrade. That's very interesting. Um, who, who is that that was closing up? Coast Capital Savings on the West Coast here. Okay. Cl- closing for five days. They'll be open for half a day, then they're going to be closed again for the Easter weekend. Um, highly unusual. And they're saying, like, wait a minute. Um, you know, like, normally people don't... If they're doing a software upgrade, they're usually closed, you know, from midnight to 5 a.m. online or something, right? They don't close for five days. I just found that interesting. But uh, Greece did the same thing, right? They closed the banks, and all of a sudden, oh, yeah, now that we're closed, everybody can't, uh, we're, we're seizing your bank accounts, just so you know. 
it was incredibly interesting that it's a week-long software upgrade. Yeah, I found it interesting too. Anyway, um, so we uh, I mentioned the paper versus uh, actual gold thing in the, the deck clock there. So people are going to ask me right off the bat, like, why don't we just buy paper gold as a, like you would buy a stock on the stock market because paper gold is easier to, to transact with. It's worth the same amount of money as gold or silver. Um, why would you want to have gold in your hand versus gold online when you can like buy and sell gold and maybe make a profit and you know day trade or whatever with it i guess that theoretically would work assuming that the grid would stay stable and there wouldn't be any cyber attacks and the banks wouldn't seize it online and everything else but uh there's also the tiny little problem that what they've promised to investors is what they call oversubscribed so gold for example they've actually oversold gold on the stock market by a ratio of 110 to 1, which means they have 110 people that claim they own an ounce of gold, then they actually have gold to supply to them. Silver is even worse, and in the last week, it's changed by a lot. It started off, I think, earlier this week, it was 365, but now it's 372 ounces are promised out to the public for every one that they have. Ooh, woof. So if you have paper gold or paper silver... And the time comes where you want to cash it in, but probably everybody else is going to want to cash it in at the same time. Good luck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yep. so that's where, like, uh, when people, if you're going to go, go in on, like, precious metals, I think that the prudent thing to do would be to get the tangible asset in your hand yep. versus, you know, obviously having a promissory note online that says you, you are owed one. I mean, it's all, all more, I mean, it's, it's, it's different, but it's similar to uh, basically cash. That the banks in the world, like it, if everybody went and took out every dime of money that they had, there's just not enough cash for them to give everybody the, the cash they want. Like you see, like even in uh, Ukraine and that, the big lineups at the banks to try and get their money out because they just didn't have any money to give out anymore. Well, of course, because fractional reserve banking requires them to have $1 in the bank for every 10 they loan out. So if you also take out $10,000, that's a shit ton less money that they can actually like, you know, lend out to the public. So it actually affects their ability to do business as well. And, and yeah, they definitely have more uh, money owed to people than they actually have in the bank at any given time. So yeah, it doesn't take much to clean mm-hmm. out a bank. Mm-hmm. The other problem that's obviously going on right now with the, uh, the gold and paper, uh, gold and silver paper stuff um, is that the London Metals Exchange, which is the main transactor of all this stuff, they only allow a 15% price swing per day. So it's obviously being manipulated, but still not as bad as the stock market. But you can see when Russia first invaded, everything went like parabolic. And then the very next day, it was back to normal again. <laughs> and you can see they're trying to prevent panic buying and panic swings. But um, yeah, you wouldn't normally care if you held it in your hand. But Right. So let's talk about actual PMs. Um, what are the good things about them? Portable but wearable. So yeah, you can yeah. grab your sack of gold like in a you know a little leprechaun. Um, you can run with it. You can also wear it as jewelry. I remember back in the day, I think it was like Doctor No or maybe the second James Bond movie. We had a briefcase full of uh, fifty gold sovereigns back when the, the the UK was the reserve currency, and that was the thing to carry around as like portable cash, like uncut diamonds. So that was kind of a cool thing that I still remember from the James Bond movies. Uh, nice thing about them, of course, is they are tangible and in your possession, or at least they should be. So if you buy a, a bunch of silver coins, don't go through them in a safety deposit box because the same problems 
arise in the fact that you don't have access to it enough to do a bank holiday. Like, for example, Coast Capital Savings, when they're closed for five days, even in person, um, you can't access it. Mm-hmm. So that's a problem. The nice thing, too, is they can be untraceable, depending on how you buy them. Um, and throughout history, obviously, from you know ancient Egypt onwards, they've been you know recognized as a currency. Uh, so chances are, in the future, they'll still be recognized as having some sort of value. Um, stable buying power, meaning like back in the 30s, what you could buy with an ounce of gold is probably what you could buy with an ounce of gold today. So let's just say like back in the 1930s, I think the old example I used to use is a suit. You could buy a really nice suit for an ounce of gold, John Wick style. Um, <laughs> but I don't think that no, really nobody pays that much money for a suit unless it's like Armani or something. But uh, I'm trying to think of something that's a little more realistic today, like a dirt bike or something, <laughs> you know, whatever they had back in the, back in the 30s. Yeah, like I mean... Your Flintstones car. Yeah, like I don't go. think you're, yeah. you're never going to get rich buying this stuff. I think it's just meant as a wealth preservation thing. Yeah. So you can think of it as a store of wealth versus speculating. So not going to get rich, but at least you're going to be able to maintain what you have in case of currency fluctuations or government collapse or cyber attack or whatever. You, you should at least maintain something. Um, so down the road, after well, whatever said collapses happened, economic or societal or whatever, and come out afterwards with something to trade for the new currency, which might be the, you know, the Vancouver Island Republic uh, dollar or something. Like, you know, <laughs> they could trade in your, your silver and, and get that or something, right? Yeah. Uh, bad things about the, the PMs that we're going to be talking about here is, um, yeah, they could be fake. Yep. You, you could buy something off a guy out of his, the inside of his jacket pocket, and sure enough, it turns to be like tungsten with just a thin gold plate on it or... Um, you know, maybe it's just, it's not what you thought it was. Like it might be, uh, maybe you bought it, I think it was 18 karat gold. That's like 12 or something. And it's very easy to get t- stung. So there is some ways to get around that. Um, they're heavy, obviously. Like they're much uh, heavier than say a uh, crypto wallet, which you could put on a USB stick or, <laughs> or whatever, which I'm sure one day we'll get into yep. crypto. Um, silver, which will tarnish. I mean, if you look at uh, silver that's been stuck at the bottom of the ocean for the last 300 years from some Spanish galleon that sunk, it's just a clump of tarnished crap that they really have to like work hard to, to recover from. Whereas gold still remains, it's like a what they call a noble metal. It, it doesn't rust, it doesn't change. You'll sit in seawater for 500 years, look the same. Um, it's pretty cool that way. Uh, easier to steal. If you have a big stack of silver sitting on your desk and somebody walks in your house, they know where your money is. Yep. Um, so you have to do what I do is like I feed it to my dog every day, and I, he holds it in his stomach, and then when you don't have to go root the poop afterwards, then I have to feed it back to him again, you know, just to, to keep it hidden. <sighs> so for the animal lovers out there, feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. I will make sure that all your hate mail gets to Ian. No, actually, honestly, this is for me. This is like going out. I've just been going down this rabbit hole lately, basically since the Russia thing, because honestly, like I've, I've you know, like everybody else, I'm kind of like, oh, maybe I should give this a second thought because. I always looked at the pitfalls and I'm not really, you know, I don't really like the OPSEC issues to tell you the truth, but uh, especially when you talk about it online on a podcast too, that's never, never an easy thing. No. Um, and also the thing is you could have like a bag of silver in your hand and you go to your next door neighbor and say, I will give you this bag of silver for that bag of rice, but they don't even know what the silver is worth. So like, what good is that? So during the collapse, I don't think it's got any use to you whatsoever, unless you've got yeah. a jewelry store owner next to you or something that, you know, yeah. maybe knows. But it's one of those things where because it's not commonly used anymore, it's just like, uh, yeah, it wouldn't be the easiest thing to barter. I'd probably be happier bartering off a, a dozen eggs than 
than an ounce of silver, right? At least, like we said earlier, something that everybody mutually agrees on, kind of a a value for, right? And well, that is kind of the pitfall. Yeah, it's the pitfall of the precious metal and the fact that yeah, it's not an agreed upon store of value. So, like you know, you and I know both know what what a looting is worth, not much. But I mean, we can both agree that you know, for a couple of those, you could probably get a Tim Hortons coffee. And if I gave it for about a toonie, yeah, and if I gave a toonie to you, you'd probably know that you could buy a coffee with it, right? So. This is definitely a Canadian podcast now. Because <laughs> we're talking about <laughs> and tunies. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> um, Jeff, you had one good question there. Well, I, I mean, obviously my question is, you know, how do you know what your... So somebody offers me a precious metal in exchange for maybe some ammunition or, or something, you know, down the road. And uh, how do I know what they're giving me isn't fake? Yeah. Okay. So I actually had to look this up too because I've uh, I've got a mentor that's helping me with this as well. He's like, okay, this is what you need to think about before you go into that store for the first time, and uh, he says it's very important to get a good relationship with a local store. So right off the bat, don't buy from the guy from the inside of his jacket. Uh, don't buy from Wish.com. <laughs> you know, everything else, the, the obvious stuff. <laughs> you know, well, Eric, you can go ahead. Don't worry about it. It's, it says 100 real gold. Okay. Um, I was gonna say. I guess there's no way Wish.com is ripping me off. Come on. No, exactly. But if you go into a, a reasonable <laughs> store, that's, and I think I use it with Better Ender. I said, you know, Better Business Bureau is what I was told. But, I mean, that can be spoof, too. Like, that's like the yeah. uh, uh, the Moody's credit rating system. It's like you can buy your, your good reviews if you really want. So, yeah, just go to a store that you, you, you trust or has a good uh, either, you know, word of mouth, Google review, uh, just the gut feeling when you walk in, whatever. You should be able to go in and ask them. How they prove that it's it's worth right? Uh, it's worth what it's, it says it's supposed to be worth, or whether it's real. Um, there's a few ways to do it. So they can do an acid test, um, a density test in either in water or with a scale versus volume and everything else. They can actually X-ray the gold on site. Usually, um, they can do like a, what they call a, um, a spectral analyzer. Uh, they can actually run an analyzer through it. There's a magnet test. Um, and by the same token, though, like I said, the Canadian Mint still actually makes silver and gold bars. I'll call it for profit per se, but they actually like do have serialized like serial numbers on them. Uh, you know, certified, sealed in plastic, actual gold and silver bars you can buy. So at least, as much as I trust the government, I guess you could buy them from them. You know, like, um, if it is actually gold, uh, like jewelry or something, you would have a, a stamp on the inside that would either say um, GP for gold plated. GEP for gold electroplated, 18 or 14K for the carat content. So it's out of a scale of 24. So obviously 18 out of 24. Um, so if it's 18 karat gold, it would be, you know, two thirds gold, basically. Um, it depends. Like you can get you know, obviously 100% silver bracelets. You can buy a store. Um, you know, you're, you know, there's, there's lots of silver to be had around there for sure. Um, yeah, I, I guess, I guess more my issue with that was is, you don't have a way to to go to do that. That that story is gone, or we're in that uh, the shit hits the fan scenario, and those businesses no longer exist. Is or, there a way to to kind of figure it out? Yeah, um, well, you know, you say you know people bite it or scratch the top off or whatever, but yeah. So I guess I uh, guess that would be a difficult. It's more of a difficult thing, but yeah, like I said, I wasn't kidding. Actually, so you walk into the bar and hand a gold coin, and they would actually bite it to see if it was actually like soft, like lead, because it is a very soft metal. You can actually pound gold super flat, like paper thin, to cover mm-hmm. like you know, you know, like they used to have gilded everything, right? Uh, back in the day, 
Um, so that's one thing. It's a super soft metal. Um, if you scratch it, most of the times, if you're scratching it on something, if it's gold, it'll actually leave a gold line behind. Most metals will actually leave a black line behind. Uh, so there's a scratch test. Uh, actually, we were talking about that, uh, the EMP doctor there, uh, Arthur Bradley. So he did a series of books that he did actually cover off. Uh, one time they, they had a, uh, access to the Golden Fort Knox, and it uh, turns out it was uh, what was left was basically spoofed. They'd actually had a thin layer of gold, and there was tungsten underneath, and the, he figured it out by basically taking an axe to it. He just, just gave it a, a good whack just to get through the surface. And uh, sure enough, yeah, like, eh, you know, a couple millimeters down, it was this tungsten. Um, obviously, if there is a foundry stamp on it, it would probably tell you where it was made. So you could go back on them or whatever. Um, but now again, you know, should hit the fan situation. Would you want to be dealing in gold with your neighbor? Yeah. Who knows? Depends but, on the neighbor, I suppose. I suppose it depends on the neighbor, yeah. Uh, but that, I guess the big thing is, is buying it originally to make sure you get it from a, a reputable source. There are some websites we'll talk about there in a second. Um, but yeah, there's also problems with buying it online as well, right? So is that uh, that's good enough for that? Yep. Cool. Um, so before we get too deep into the where to buy, right now because of the Russia thing, I was doing some research and, you know, lo and behold, the cheap precious metals are all sold out. Figure that one. Weird. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> I went to a Silver Gold Bull and uh, Kitco.ca just to check out, and those are the two main ones in in yep. Canada. Um, and yeah, sure enough, like the one ounce silver bars, which would be the the entry level, like you know, gateway precious metal purchase, they're all like sold out, and uh, no surprise there. Uh, but that would be the, I guess, the the starting point for most of us. And but traditionally throughout history what always happens is like as soon as anything goes wrong people rush to silver and gold especially from the stock market they um yep. they recently that was what's causing this this oversubscription on the silver and gold paper stuff is because people were rushing to that as a stable like lifeboat with i think a lot of these people don't think they'll have to deliver on it so that's why i think they don't mind selling it but uh shenanigans on the stock market anyway um right now even even mints are currently having trouble finding stuff so the u.s mint normally makes a bunch of different uh, silver dollars. One of them is called a Morgan dollar or a peace dollar. They've had silver eagles. They've had a bunch of stuff, but they actually are not producing certain coins this year because they just can't find the silver blanks because there's been such a run on it lately. So that's bad. Yep. <laughs> if, if, if the mint well, can't if you're, find if you're, if you're sitting on a coin collection and you've got a bunch of those pure silver dollars, you're, you're maybe going to do well. Yeah, no, and we'll talk about where to find those as well. Like you can actually still, maybe if you're really lucky, find some of the in circulation in Canada here as well. But uh, we'll talk about actually purchasing them here to start off with. So uh, where to buy? So obviously you mentioned finding a local dealer, having a good relationship with them, like a, especially a trust one. And again, if, if they're a shady dealer, I think you'll know in about three seconds because somebody who's got stung somewhere will mention online and start ranting about them. And if they got like, you know, 99 good reviews and one bad one, okay, go with that. But if they got like, you know, 90% of them are bad reviews. That's that's probably a thing, right? Yeah. Um, if you buy online, you're going to require either traceable EMT transfers. You're going to have to maybe do a bank draft. You're going to have to have an account with your name, address, and shipping info <laughs> and everything else. It's going to cost you more uh, if you buy online because you have to do like, there's what they call a premium when you buy a precious metal as well as shipping costs, of course, um, in person. You show up and you can pay your cash, which is basically the spot price and premium. So the spot price is what the current you know market value is on the stock market, and a premium is where the the dealer I guess makes their money. 
and delivery costs and shipping costs to get to the store and everything else. So obviously in person, you're going to save that um, uh, problem with getting like the, the higher premium and the shipping costs. So obviously it's better to buy in person. Uh, silvergoldbull.ca is a great website because it actually shows around the bottom what the current spot prices are. So it'll show you, I think this morning I looked, it was like, uh, so gold was about $2,400 an ounce and the premium to buy it on silvergoldbull.ca was about 150 bucks to 210 bucks, depending on which website you go to, like uh, meaning like Silver Gold Bull or Kitco. And silver was currently running around $31 an ounce and the premium was around 11 to 15, uh, which is basically their, their cut. So when I talk about that premium, so every time you buy or buy one of these things, you're going to pay a premium on it, which means it's no good for day trading. You can't just sit there and flip gold 30 times during the day to try and make a profit because you're going to lose it on the premiums, right? Mm -hmm. So this is definitely more, we're talking buy and hold uh, versus like speculate. And if that. you, and if you, and then just looking at it, I mean, for silver, if the premium, if you're paying 31 and the premium's 15, they're, yeah. they're jamming you 50% right there. Oh Yeah. So, uh, but again, that's the that's cost to get it into your hand, right? Mm -hmm. And so, for the opsec-minded people that don't talk about it on podcasts, uh, <laughs> you can uh, <laughs> you can show up to the uh, the store, obviously that, that you've done some research on or whatever. Pay your pay your cash, pay your premium, and walk away. And there's no law that says they have to collect your name information. You can give them John Smith as a name. You know, I highly recommend that or whatever. Like. Um, and you can walk away with uh, Royal Canadian Mints, uh, the actual bars that might have like anywhere from five to 10 ounces to the big old style you see in the Western movies where they have the big old bars of silver or whatever. You can do that too if you really want to. I noticed on Kitco they sell actually big old bars. Uh, they're like, you know, some of them are like pricey. So if you have the cash, I suppose. Um, one thing I want to steer everybody away from when they're getting into this though too is that I've noticed there's been a really big run on fad ones. Like right now they've got a Batman silver coin. <laughs> There's still only one ounce of silver, but it's going to cost you double what the spot price is. Like, why would you do not, that? Like, not if you buy it on Wish. <laughs> if you buy it on Wish, it's cheaper. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, is like, yeah, if you're doing this to buy and hold wealth, why would you get into like the collector aspect? Well, I want the limited edition Batman coin. Like, please don't. Like, oh my goodness gracious! Like, I can't imagine. Like, you're never going to get your money out of that, right? No. Um, especially if you change your mind in six weeks from now. You decide that precious metals are stupid, and I'm, I'm just stopped going to stop taking my financial advice from some random dude on a podcast. And uh, <laughs> and you want to sell it again? Well, nobody's going to buy the Batman coin back for what you paid for it. It's just no. not going to happen, right? Uh, so you mentioned other places to get uh, stuff, Jeff. So non-standard sources of silver, for example, or precious metals of, of various stuff. Uh, pre-1968, dimes and quarters in Canada uh, were about 99% silver. Hmm. Look at that. Occasionally, you can still find them. Very rarely now. I remember back in the '80s, we were even looking for them back then, and I couldn't figure out what the big deal was. But a lot of these, uh, the teachers were always looking through the lunch money the kids were handing in to see if there was stuff. And I was like, oh, I get what they were after now. Anyway, uh, a lot of old silver dollars, obviously, are, were still silver back in the day. Um, before 1982, nickels were actually made out of nickel. 99% um, of it was nickel. Actually, 99.9. .9. So. Mm -hmm. Melt values, meaning like if you actually took that, that currency and melted it down, the melt value of those pre-82 nickels is actually higher than obviously what the numis numismatic value is, which would be five cents. Obviously, it's going to be worth more than that. Um, so that's why they took it out of circulation and just made it nickel-plated steel because it costs more money to make a nickel than a nickel was worth. Hmm. So uh, if you actually want to go down a rabbit hole, look into melt values of various stuff. 
Um, and you'll see why people are stealing catalytic converters all the time. Because yeah, that's 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 a huge thing going on right now. Yeah, because I think there's like something like two or three thousand dollars worth of platinum in a catalytic converter, and so if people know how to extract it, melt it down, and once you melted it down, obviously you can't tell where it came from, and yeah, money. Not that we suggest you do that. No, I'm not saying you should do that, but I'm just saying like people are doing it for a reason because they're they're not stupid, right? They're they've yep. actually figured out what the actual you know tangible or or actual value of it versus like the the, the retail value of it was. Um, especially if it came off an old car, right? Where they first introduced catalytic converters, some of those are in the in the junkyard now, and I'm sure the junkyard dealers have figured it out and probably ripped off all the cats off all the old cars, but maybe some Most haven't. Likely. Yeah, yeah, you see, uh, I seen an advertisement. Couple of weeks ago, I guess, for some some local place that was would buy your car, and it's clearly said in capital letters, "Catalytic converter must still be there." <laughs> yeah, and that's the main reason why they're buying the car, right? Like they're they're, they're, they're buying it for the cat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so other way, other places to get it. Uh, if yeah, uh, go into the Goodwill store. I've actually had this happen a couple of times where we've actually found some solid silver, uh, silverware, or candle holders mm. or something, and we just kind of. <laughs> Grab them for the five dollars we're selling them for, because you'd be surprised what people will actually drop off at Goodwill because they just it's oh it's grandma's candle holder who gives yeah. a crap about that? Yeah, they like, don't know what it's worth. No, an old silver was actually made out of silver, so I yeah. mean like yeah, you, or at least it was high content silver, so it was worth a lot of money. Um, people that have boomer parents, I mean, or Scott's kids uh, might <laughs> might have had those spoon collections back in the day, uh, you know, where you got a spoon from from. Uh, Bavaria, and you hung it up on the little wooden spoon holder on the wall, and you know yep. everything else, and everybody yep. had those spoon collections. Those were all solid silver, right? So you can mm. either keep them, melt them down, whatever, find them at Goodwill. Um, old electronics might be more yep. Eric's uh, side thing. Has uh, lots of gold and silver in it because of the sure uh, electronic conducting properties of both of those. Um, and I think a lot of people have made a business now out of like you know recovering yep. gold from those old electronics, haven't they? Yep, there's a few businesses around here that do exactly that. They'll melt it down, take all the precious metals out of them, and then resell them. Yeah. So before we uh, wrap up most of it here, um, obviously this is all like high value stuff right now, and it's not getting any better. So I mean, we all don't have a shit ton of cash to put down on twenty five hundred dollars an ounce uh, gold. So like this is all theoretical and everything else, but just something for us to keep in mind for when things maybe calm down uh, before the next upheaval or whatever. Hopefully, yep. uh, but uh, there is a hobby level we can talk about for sure. Uh, silver, if you can find it, uh, there's still a couple things you can do with it. Uh, there's actually a course just up island being held for uh, people that want to make silver jewelry, and that's a big <laughs> thing around here. Like down in Mexico, it's a huge thing as well, where people take uh, silver, melt it down, make a like a, a bracelet out of it or whatever. Um, colonial silver. I mean, I'm sure Scott would be poo-pooing that, you know, because his 1930s course in medicine there told him that that was a that was a bunkum. But uh, colloidal silver can be a thing. I don't, I've never done it myself, but supposedly people make it because it's got healing properties and antibiotic and antimicrobial properties. But you need silver to make that. Yep. Um, lead. I mentioned that as a precious metal to some of us. Yep. A lot of ranges will actually allow you quite happily to go back to the back burner of your range and uh, sift through the dirt to pick up the lead and copper that's there um, because it helps clean up the range. And, it, you know, it's going to create less of an environmental impact when they have to, you know, get their berms redone and they have to get some sort of survey done. The less lead they have in there, probably the happier they'll be. Um, so ask permission, see if you can go do that. Because, I mean, right now, if you 
go get a Lee melting pot from Cabela's, which is like 60 bucks or something. You can melt a bunch of this lead up, put it into ingots. And right now, I think on CGN, it's currently selling for five bucks a pound, but it's rising super fast. I think it was 350 a pound, not even six months ago. It's going to be seven, eight bucks a pound before you know it. And that's for people that cast their own bullets or little toy soldiers or anything else, right? There's lots of things that people do with uh, lead. Interesting. Uh, brass, same thing. Uh, okay. People are actually taking, like, after the brass has been shot out, like, three and four times. Used to be in the old days, you just toss it in the trash because it's got a, a cracked uh, rim on it. Now people are actually keeping that. Dollar store padlocks, everything else, they're actually throwing them into a, uh, a, a basically a, a home furnace or home smelter, and they're actually, like, creating brass ingots because they can turn right, uh, right, around, right around now and sell that by the ingot to the dealers and make a, a crap ton of cash. So huh. it's uh, it's tr- turning into a hobby. So I actually put a couple of YouTube videos in there. Uh, people are actually melting motor parts to get uh, aluminum because the melt value of aluminum is higher than the deposit you get in the can. And so <laughs> even if you have aluminum can or melt motor parts, <laughs> melt it down, sell it on the, on the metals market versus taking it back to the recycler, you actually get more money out of it. Interesting. Um, guy up island actually for me right now, he's actually taking copper pipe smashing it up with a hammer uh, because it's easily worked. You know, you just have to sit there and pound the crap out of it. But he makes wearable trinkets like bracelets and, and rings and everything else. And he's turning that around for a huge profit. So if you're interested in that, there's copper is one of those things. It's actually, it's it's healthy to handle. It's actually, there's no health detriment like lead. Uh, but you can actually handle copper quite safely uh, and make, um, make some trinkets for that. On the lower end of precious metals, I noticed on some of these websites, they actually had zombie bucks which was, uh, it's only worth a few bucks, but it's like a copper one ounce coin. And uh, so for people that really want to get into the, the bottom base layer of precious metals, you can buy what they call zombie bucks. And it's it's got intrinsic value, right? It's the same idea, it's yeah. just on a lower scale. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, last thing I want to mention, uh, if people want to stop listening to me and maybe have somebody that makes a lot more sense, uh, ITM Trading on YouTube with Lynette Zhang. She is the most based grandma you've ever met. She's like, a, she's actually a prepper. She's got a secondary prepper channel started now too, but she's been going on for about six, seven years now as a chief market analyst for uh, ITM Trading. And she's been a, a gold bug the whole way through and she's incredibly informative, very switched on. Um, Mike Maloney also does a history of money segment. It's got well over 5.3 million views on that one. And he's got everything from like uh, precious metals to how money, modern day money works and doesn't work. And then the third one would be Monaco 64, which is kind of like, if you imagine uh, Squiggy from Lenny and Squiggy, Scott will know who I'm talking about. Um, and he's kind of grown up and become a financial analyst. It's him. And um, he's a pretty cool guy. He uh, He's very knowledgeable as well. And uh, that's pretty much it. But I welcome any questions. Did we uh, get the cons uh, question yet? Oh, yeah. Sorry. We should run back to him. Where was he? Oh, there he is. I got the question up here on the bottom. Uh, Would you recommend silver coins or gold for ease of doing smaller transactions? Well, again, if you have somebody that knows the value of it, I'd be very hesitant to try and buy something with a gold coin because either the guy would try and convince you it's not real, uh, wouldn't recognize what it's worth because you might have bought it for $2,500 today. Six months from now, it's worth 50000 because the economy's gone down the toilet. But you might not be able to convince him of that. Um, and same thing with the silver. I think silver is probably an easier thing on a day-to-day transactions. They also sell one-tenth ounce pieces of, of uh, precious metals. So like one-tenth ounce of gold, which would obviously be easier to buy, $250 or so. 
let it be, be a little bit more for smaller pieces. And then same thing with the uh, the silver, they actually have smaller pieces as well. Um, basically, my external source here says uh, gold is best used as insurance, financial insurance. Silver is used for barter. That's live. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I mean, that. There's, yeah, a couple ways of looking at it, but I think it's more of a, after the collapse is over with, done with, and maybe you're trying to get new currency versus trying to do it during the collapse. I think eggs, 22 shells, maybe not, but eggs, uh, meat, you know, whatever is probably a better barter item during the uh, the tough times. Yeah, because again, that's something that everybody can kind of agree on very quickly versus having to set up a, a formal system and, and jump through all those hoops. So. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Uh, any other questions, guys? Let's see anything, uh, anything else in the live chat, and but no. we covered off the basics here again. Cool. Well, that was uh, a mouthful, but uh, yeah, yeah, if anybody has any questions afterwards, we can always answer them next episode. Absolutely, that's what uh, feedback at prepperpodcast.ca is for. <laughs> right, shall we move into the podcast challenge then? Well, I didn't uh, assign anybody to that one, I guess. So uh, collect up some PMs, if only to bling up your place. Maybe go shopping at the thrift store and see what you can come up with. And uh, yeah, tell us what you found. Yeah, that's a great tip to hit up the thrift store. I would never have thought of that. Well, especially when you just grab a candlestick, look underneath, it looks like it's silver, and it might actually say yeah. 0.925 or point, you know, 0.900 or whatever. There'll actually be a percentage of silver content in there, usually on the bottom, if it looks like it's silver. I bet you, Eric, you could find something at the Macro Mall. <laughs> Oh yeah, a painting or something. Who knows? Yeah, funny guy, yep. funny guy. <laughs> All right, let's move into the upcoming events, shall we? All right, we got the uh, Resul uh, Finnish Reserve March, which uh, is the Finnish military puts on a uh, uh, military march during the uh, dates of May 26th to 29th, where you can do anywhere from 10 to 160 kilometers, and uh, you know, record it on something like Strava or some sort of app. <laughs> Prove that you did it, and uh, you can certainly apply and get a patch, a medal, a certificate, or whatever you want. You can get a T-shirt if you want. Um, and there's actually a team going with the uh, Canadian Patriot Podcast guys, Team Ragnarok. Nice. Play on words there. Yep. And um, <laughs> yeah, so if you can join them, and there's actually team results as well. And I think last year we came in second worldwide on the the rock. Oh. So yeah, we did okay. Nice. Right, so I've got uh, the annual Preppers Meet coming up July 7th to the 10th in Desboro, Ontario. So uh, check out uh, annualpreppersmeet.com for uh, info there. They're just getting the website uh, fired back up. Uh, there is a Facebook group uh, as well. If you happen to be on the Book of Faces, you can check that out. Uh, deal of the week. So right. Princess Auto has um, water bladders on sale. Um, I actually haven't looked it up but uh i understand they've got different sizes so um you know we, are, we always talk about you know what, what's one of the things you're really going to need in an emergency it's going to be water so um if you're looking for something uh princess auto's got them on sale right now awesome all right and any shout outs i've got right. uh nothing so far cool well, right. I'll, shout out, I'll shout out to Ian for doing the hard work on this one and, you know, kind of giving us somewhere to go and pointing us in the right direction. So, Cool. Thank you, guys. All right. Uh, email and iTunes reviews. You've got a review there, Jeff? Yeah. So it uh, comes from uh, 
Big Papa Dudes on YouTube. And uh, just basically says uh, about our last uh, couple of um, episodes, we've talked about nuclear stuff. And he said to add to the prevention and treatment section on washing, showering immediately uh, when you get home after you're contaminated. Uh, soap is fine, uh, but not too abrasive with the scrubbing. However, do not use conditioner in your hair. You have to have some first, but... Uh, Beat me Don't to use it. the conditioner in your hair. It says it will bind it to any radiation that's in your hair. Sounds like another good case for uh, keeping your hair down to like a number one on the, on the sides and top, right? Mm -hmm. There you go. Awesome. Well, good info to know. Well, with that, I will bring episode number 154 of the Canadian Prepper podcast to an end. Uh, you can find the podcast uh, on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or of course your favorite podcast app. Please help us out. Take a second to submit a review. It does help other people find us. And we record these shows live on Facebook and YouTube. So if you want an early peek at the show, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper Podcast, and click on the notifications tab. That gives you an alert when we're going live. If you want to reach uh, me, you can just uh, send a generic message to feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. I hope it'd be a little bit more than generic. Maybe addressed to you at least. Yep. Or at least angry or something. Ang angry preferred for Jeff, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you can uh, reach Ian directly by emailing me at theislandretreat at gmail.com. And you can also find me on Canadian Patreon Podcast on iTunes and YouTube. We record Monday evenings at, I do believe it's 8.30 p.m. Eastern now. We've uh, kind of moved up Ooh. the schedule a bit. So um, happens when you get older, huh? Yeah, well, I have to get to bed early, man. That's just the way it is. <laughs> as soon as it gets dark, that's it. Um, I'm also in the Discord chat for both CPPs. Email us if you want an invite. So, uh, yeah, join us on Discord. I think we're up to, what is it, Eric? About 160 users? Uh, yeah, somewhere around there. Yep. So, so it's a pretty lively uh, prepper chat on there for sure. Uh, they links can in the live chat, so check it out. Perfect. Uh, they can find us discussing why government waste in society has me autistic about precious metals. All right, you can check out uh, rapidsurvival.com and get me on the, get me there on the live chat. I also uh, hang out on the Discord chat from time to time. You can find me in there. And uh, failing that, uh, you can flip me an email at uh, feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. Remember, the angry emails are for Jeff. The happy emails are for me. Uh, thanks for joining us this evening. And until next time, be prepared, stay safe. And keep learning. <laughs>